Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, the Packers have trimmed down their roster from 90 players to 53. But I want to start the show by talking about a player who is not on the Packers' 53-man roster, but he's the player that Packers fans cannot stop talking about, and that's... Former Oakland Raiders pass rusher Khalil Mack. The Packers reportedly in the discussions for a potential trade for Mack amongst some other teams. Mack ends up going to the Chicago Bears for a couple of first-round draft picks. A big trade for right at the end of training camp. I can't remember a move like this across the league uh, at this stage that, uh, that was this monumental in terms of the type of player involved just your thoughts on what went down with all this I guess they're calling it the Khalil Mack sweepstakes yeah I guess it was I mean just such a unique situation first off because of just what happened in Oakland with the Raiders for Mack to come available you don't see a guy uh, as young as he is as talented as he is and with as much upside as they're still there uh, come available at that stage of his career very often and I thought one of the interesting things of it the Bears sort of you know came out of nowhere to pick him up and, you know, you mentioned it being something you can't really remember. Yeah, I don't remember a defensive player ever, you know, making that amount of money and being <laughs> traded all within the span of, you know, a couple, you know, 48 right. hours uh, like Mac was. But, you know, this is a move that I think Ryan Pace feels like, you know, it, it adds, it obviously adds a an all-pro type pass rusher to Vic Fangio's defense, and it just so turns out the Packers will see him this upcoming week, it looks like. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a really interesting discussion. I know our Insider Inbox fans have been talking about it for pretty much the last month. <laughs> um, you know, my whole two cents since the very beginning was it's not just what it takes to acquire him. It's going to be what is it worth to you to sign him long-term, and, and for the Bears, obviously, that was an investment they were willing to make, and with their quarterback situation right now being what it is, a young guy, a young roster, um, they had the room to, to be able to do it. Yeah, and I'll say this with regards to the Packers. Brian Gutekunst, he addressed the media on late Sunday afternoon with regards to the roster. He was asked in kind of a roundabout way about Khalil Mack. He wasn't going to get into any specifics as far as the discussion I look at it simply from this point of view, Wes. If the price was two first-round draft picks, I don't know if Gutekunst offered the Packers two first-round picks in this next draft because they have the one their own plus the one from the Saints. I don't know if that was the offer. But if I'm the Raiders looking at it and I have the Bears two, two first-round picks from the Bears in the next two drafts or two from the Packers in the next draft, I'm looking at it to say, well... Those picks that from the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, a young guy still developing at quarterback, versus picks that are going to be determined by the play of Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, the Packers and the Saints, I think they just went with the picks that they think were going to be higher, going to be worth more. I mean, regardless of the other issue you mentioned, which is fitting him under the cap and getting that deal done because there was a lot of tension in Oakland as to what, you know, with him holding out and wanting a new deal and how much money he was going to want and all that kind of stuff. So, a lot of logistics and everything that uh, that went into this, but I will say this. Brian Gutekunst said when he was hired, he wants to be in on every conversation. He's holding true to his word from everything that we're hearing. Yeah, and even you know going back towards the free agent process, and sometimes that's going to result in you signing a Jimmy Graham or you know, bringing back Tremont Williams if it makes sense, and sometimes it doesn't result in anything. But it's important to be in those conversations. Uh, it was a big point of emphasis for Gutekunst coming in. They want to be in the know with everything. And uh, I think up until this point now, what, eight months into this thing, 
he's lived up to that end of the bargain. Yeah, all right. Well, with regards to the 53 players who are on the Packers active roster, already some adjustments being made before we came into the studio here to record this episode. The Packers on Saturday afternoon at the cutdown time had eight wide receivers. That has now been trimmed to seven with Jake Kumaro going on injured reserve. The Packers doing that because by putting him initially on the 53 and then moving him to injured reserve, he is eligible to come back potentially at a later point this season, which you cannot do if you put the player on IR before you get down to the 53. So the Packers now with seven receivers instead of eight, and they sign a new linebacker. Um, Tumor is the last name. I'm, the first name is escaping me at Corey. the moment. Corey, Corey Tumor. So a new inside linebacker added to, uh, added to the mix there. A lot of stuff going on here in the last 48, 72 hours with regards to the Packers roster. What sticks out to you? What are your major impressions? I think the first thing is still with the receivers. Uh, and while they did end up putting Kumaro on IR, the fact that they carried seven of them through the cutdown tells you what they think of that group. I, you know, Just starting off from the very top, Geronimo Allison left no doubt, I thought, in this preseason. He's the number three receiver. And then you also have Trevor Davis, what he offers you on special teams, not only just as a returner, but as a gunner and the different things he can do there. And then, obviously, the biggest storyline is those three rookie receivers. All three of them. They all made it. Much like the running backs last year. Yep. All three of them end up making the roster. A lot of projection there, but Mike McCarthy touched on it a little bit uh, right on that Friday after the, the Kansas City game, and then Brian Gutekunst did the same thing on Sunday after the cuts were made. It's projection. It isn't just about where Jamon Moore and EQ St. Brown and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are today. It's where they're going to be a year from now, where yep. they're going to be two years from now. I think from the very beginning, we talked about it during the roster uh, when, they, when they went with the draft. All three of these guys have incredibly talented gifts. Um, and now it's going to be the process of trying to develop those guys for the future. And, and the nice thing is for them, with having Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and even you know Jimmy Graham there as well, along with uh, you know Geronimo Allison going in his third year, it's not like these guys are going to be pressed into action right away. There's still time to learn for them and to really develop their, their full skill set. Yeah, well, the Packers, uh, as we know, the 53-man roster gets trimmed to 46 every, uh, every Sunday for game day. So uh, the decisions now with the wide receivers, you know, who's going to be active and available to play on Sundays because, as you said, there are projections involved as far as the future with some of these guys. They may not be ready to play. They might be those game day inactives here and there as we go through the season. One of the big decisions, I thought, coming out of the Kansas City game was whether or not the Packers would keep three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. Brett Hundley was traded, as we had mentioned before, the Kansas City game elevated Deshaun Kaiser to the number two role. Then it came down to Tim Boyle, the undrafted rookie from Eastern Kentucky, came out in the, the Kansas City game, first two drives, marched the Packers right down the field for two touchdowns. Then the second half didn't go quite so well, so a very uneven game. The Packers decide to keep Boyle on the 53-man roster. He is, um, he is an active player. And uh, really, I thought when he was in the game with, I guess what I would call the second-string yeah. type players, mm -hmm. he performed, he functioned, he looked like he completely belonged. Now, when you get to the third and the fourth-string guys in the second half, some things started to unravel there. I think that's what the Packers recognized, that, hey, there's, uh, there, there's definitely enough upside to this quarterback to keep him on the team. You stole my point. If you want to move on to the next topic, we Sorry. can. But I, I agree with you 150%. I, that was my biggest takeaway from that game. The two series, I think it was two series, that he got 
when he was actually working with the number two line and with you know the receivers that he had there. Uh, Robert Tanyan obviously had a connection with there as well, and, and Tanyan ends up making the roster. I, I thought he looked exemplary. Yeah. Now, the thing you have to understand with Tim Boyle, though, is like as Mike McCarthy talked about with any young player, there's ups and downs. There's ebb and flow. Tim Boyle just isn't going to come out and put together like this Aaron Rodgers-type performance where every <laughs> series is clean right. and he's throwing for 400 yards and three touchdowns. No, there's going to be some fluctuation there. Right. He's an undrafted rookie after all. But you go back to the, the things I've been saying since the very beginning with this guy. I love his pocket presence. He, you know, If he makes a mistake in the pocket, it's not because the pressure got to him. He's willing to stand in there, take a hit, and throw the football and put it where it needs to be. Yep. He has a great arm. And, and the fact of the matter is, I think operating within this offense, you saw it, especially on that first series, he functions in it really well. And I even said to you, I mean, yes, he has those moments where things don't go quite right, but it really does surprise you that this is a young man that just didn't have a little more success at the college level than he did uh, because I think you see the natural ability there. And the Packers obviously saw enough in it uh, to keep that third quarterback for the fourth time in five years. Yeah, and hats off to Boyle because he he was in a tough spot in a lot of senses because he had done some nice things in the first two preseason games, and then he didn't play in the third right. one. So suddenly he gets thrown out there in Kansas City. He hasn't played an actual game action for two weeks. His reps in practice, you're always going to be limited as the number four quarterback in terms of the number of reps you're getting because Hunley wasn't traded until right up uh, right up to the end to the, the preparation for Kansas City. So for him to go out there, those first two drives, I know there was a big pass interference penalty that helped. He threw, had a couple of really nice throws. You mentioned uh, Robert Tanyan, yeah. young tight end who ended up making this roster, the Packers keeping keeping four tight ends. I don't remember exactly the down and distance. I think it was a third down, maybe even a third and long. I think it was third and eight. Eight, okay. Right. Um, that, that pass to Tanyan over the middle that moved the chains, got the Packers into scoring position, that was sort of like an eye-opener. Like, wow, like that ball came out of his hand. It was on time. It had some velocity. Um, Robert Tanyan, you know, caught it clean. Big play and uh, and something that both of those guys really showed what they're made of. Great point because I think it was the, the rising tide lifts all boats there because, I mean, you look at it, Boyle put it right where it needed to be and Tanya made a play on the ball once it got there. Yep. Uh, it wasn't just, okay, it was a good throw and the, the catch wasn't there or the b ball wasn't really where he wanted it to be and Tanya just made a play. No, I mean, both sides were working on that. And I think, and you've covered this team a lot longer than I have, Mike, but in my time, I, was, I literally was sitting here on Sunday trying to think about Two guys that I think, in my opinion, played themselves onto the roster that weekend. And maybe the Packers already had some idea of where they were going to do with these guys. But the, the what Boyle showed early on and then what Tanyan did with the reps that he was afforded, uh, you know, they always say every year, you know, you never really set out what you're going to have for how many players are going to be on a roster, how many are going to be at a certain position. Right, right. In my opinion, though, I still like the idea of having three quarterbacks, especially in today's environment with the CBA. And I love having four tight ends because there is that flexibility with special teams as well. You know, Kendricks and Tanya will both contribute in that fashion. I just think when you look at them keeping Tanya, you have three veterans there, and now you have a young guy that you can develop behind them. I think that's a really good thing because, as we've talked about so many times on the show, Mike, it's really tough for a young tight end just to come in and set the world on fire. They need time, and now Tanyan's going to get that. Well, and what an opportunity for Tanyan to be able to learn oh, from, yeah. the, from these three tight ends that are ahead of him in Graham and Lewis and Kendricks. You couldn't ask for a better situation as a young guy at that position trying to, uh, trying to make your way in the league.
Graham catching, Lewis blocking, and then you look at Lance Kendrick's H-back type role, that is a perfect classroom to be in for, for Tanya. Yeah, all right. Well, before we get on to some other topics here, Wes, a little sponsor business. At Homer, here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, I wanted to get on to an element of this 53-man roster, Brian Gutekunst's first 53-man roster that really stood out to me. And I wrote about this on our website after Gutekunst had his press conference on Sunday afternoon. I look at three positions in particular. Tight end, as we've talked about, offensive line and cornerback. Look at some of these guys who are in reserve roles for the Packers West that are not expected to start. Um, they are not expected to be starting players. Lance Kendricks, Byron Bell, a backup guard and tackle on the offensive line, and then Devon House at cornerback. All three of these guys entering their eighth year in the league. That's three reserve players that have a collective 20-plus years of experience in the NFL. That's something to me that is different about this roster compared to some Packers rosters we've seen in recent years. Now, you can't have a ton of experience at backup positions all across the roster. The salary cap doesn't afford it. And number two, you want to have developing young players in your pipeline. That's part of uh, the building block for sustained success in this league. But we've seen over the last handful of years, Wes, when the Packers have injury strike and they have to call on reserve players, we've seen a lot of young guys who haven't played before. Maybe they're even just being called up from the practice squad and they get thrown in because of the injuries. At least now at these three spots, tight end, offensive line, and cornerback, if the Packers have to dig a little bit deeper into their depth chart, they've got some experience there, and I think that's what makes this roster, Brian Gutekunst's first 53-man roster, a little different from ones we've seen. Particularly in the first month of the season, too, was something I thought about. Now, I was at home working on our world-famous game program, <laughs> uh, and I had Packers.com up on my laptop, and when I heard you ask that question, Gutekunst, I was like, that's a really good point and a really good uh, thing that I, I had sort of looked over. But if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, uh, both from the perspective of l just look out personally just at Devon House. I remember talking to Tremont Williams two weeks ago. After Williams signed, you have to remember, House actually ended up re-signing after that. Right. And he said they actually talked a little bit. And, and Williams explained to him why he thought it would make sense for House to come back one more time. Because, one, there's a ton of cornerbacks that you're using on any given game. And, two because of just what he could bring to that room and what he did last year if it wouldn't have been for the lower body injuries that he dealt with. Byron Bell coming in. And you mentioned Kendricks, even a guy like Lewis. And even look at Corey Toomer now coming in at inside linebacker. Antonio Morrison was just traded, a Morrison. leading tackler from another team with with you know 20-plus starts in his NFL career so, so far. So what that screams to me, specifically this first month, two months of the season, is you got guys that have been there, they've done that, and the game is, is not going to be foreign to them once they're in there. Um, historically, when you look at Ted Thompson's teams, they always got better by December, uh, especially the years in which they could avoid injuries because you had young guys that were making progress every single week. And now I still think you're going to have that element. You look at how deep the Packers are at cornerback. You look at having Robert Tanyan available, some of the young offensive linemen that are there with Byron Bell on that depth chart. 
And then you add into the fact that you have experience that's going to be able to guide you throughout that season. I think it's the perfect blend. Mm -hmm. Certainly we have to see how everything works out. Injuries can change things very quickly in this league. But as it stands right now, I think it's really impressive what Brian Gutekunst has built because it seems to be a perfect marriage there between experience and also a lot of upside. Yeah, it's it, it, see, it seems to be a little bit more of a balance. And you know when we're on the sidelines at practice during training camp, we're talking to the other beat reporters. They're you know guys that we know very well. We've had long relationships with a lot of them. And I had conversations with guys on the sideline. We'd be kicking things around like, well, you know, is Kendrick's going to make this team? Is Byron Bell going to make this team? And a lot of guys were like, well, yeah, look at what Tanyan's doing. It doesn't look like Kendrick's is going to make it. I was like, well, hold on here. Let's just, let's see. And what ends up happening, they end up keeping them both. The young developing player and the experienced backup who can step in at a moment's notice and know exactly what he's doing and has a player who's been on the stage before. And very similar in that respect with Bell, you look at they ended up keeping an undrafted rookie like Alex Light mm -hmm. at offensive tackle. A young developing player, I know the injury happened with Kyle Murphy and he's on injured reserve and all that, but um, but then you have a veteran like Bell. It wasn't just, okay, cut that guy loose because we feel like we have a young developing guy. It's like, no, let's maybe find a way, as you say, to have that marriage, to, ha to have both, have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. And as I said, you can't do it at all positions across across your roster. It's not realistic. But in certain spots, the Packers were able to do that. And that's what I what I like about the construction of this and what I think stands out as something a little different. And the Mike Spofford, let's be real, moment of the week here. <laughs> the, the You look at the 46. You were talking about it earlier. You need guys like Byron Bell that can play guard, that can play tackle. Lucas Patrick, who can play center in the both guard positions. Right. You know, it, in, while Jason Spriggs, you know, appears to be a little bit more specialized at the tackle position, still has shown in the past that he can move inside if he needs to that's really the most important thing too and I think when you look at you're building your depth Don Barkley did it for so many years here even you know Justin McCray last year you have to have guys that number six number seven offensive lineman that can go in there and not be a let up and, and know what they're doing and I, I think that's what Bell gives you and I, that's the main reason why Brian Gutekunst went out and signed him back in the spring yeah well young developing players are always going to be part of a draft and develop roster like the Packers have and one guy that we definitely need to talk about here is James Crawford inside linebacker I have to confess Wes he was never even on my radar partly because he showed up two weeks into training camp he was a he was a late signing ends up making the 53-man roster lights the world on fire on special teams in in Kansas City Brian Gutekunst said one of the best special teams performances that the Packers have had in quite some time in a preseason game. He earns his way onto the roster, and you nailed it in Insider Inbox the other day. You, this was like Chris Banjo all yeah. over again, a guy who comes in late in the process in training camp. You don't really think a whole lot of him, but Banjo did the same thing. He was so impressive on special teams that that's how he got a spot. And not only did Banjo get that spot, he ended up sticking around here for a few years yeah. and was a special teams captain at certain times. And he's still in the NFL right now he with is. New Orleans. I yeah. mean, special teams, man. You ask Jared <laughs> Bush, they'll keep you in the league for eight, nine years yeah. if you if you can uh, you know, be accountable in your assignments. Hey, hey listen, um, I, one thing I really loved from Bagudikun's press conference when he was talking to the media, uh, he was asked about, I think it was uh, Zach Triner and Hunter Bradley. They went with Hunter Bradley as a long snapper. Right. And he was asked, well, why was Triner taking most of the, the one reps throughout camp? And he's like, well, he was here longer. <laughs> and I kind of got, I sort of thought about that a little bit with James Crawford and also Alex Light. You know, those guys were running with the threes and fours and in camp. And sometimes you got to remember that, you know, everybody wants to slot people on depth charts and, oh, this guy belongs yep. here and this means this and that means that. 
well, sometimes guys are just really good football players too. And James Crawford, from what I recall, I don't remember him being on many of the first team special teams units, but here he is, lo and behold, uh, a nephew of Charles Woodson. Yeah. Uh, kind of an interesting factoid there as well. And hey, this is a really hungry ball player. And I don't really know his whole story and why it took until August 8th for him to sign. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he came in here, picked things up as quickly as he did, the first time an undrafted rookie has made the roster since Banjo in 2013, uh, and he's the first inside linebacker to make it as an undrafted rookie since Roy Manning in 2005. So it just wow. shows you that if you come in and you put it on film and you tell these guys, here, this is what I can offer you, they're listening. Yeah, It's never too late to come in here and make this ball team, and, and that's exactly what James Crawford did. Well, undrafted rookie from Illinois, there was one a few years ago that made this team. His name's Geronimo Allison. Not too shabby. He's now the number three wide receiver on an offense quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers. So we'll just have to see what the future holds for a guy like Crawford. But with that, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.